Hello and welcome to the Professional PT Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Baker. I'm a physical therapist living and working in Southern Indiana, and I'm also the new professional for the Indiana ABTA. Today, I have for you the fourth episode of the podcast and two physical therapists with us, Elaine and Paul Lahneman, to discuss fellowship, i.e. what is a fellowship, what does it entail, who's it for, and how do you find the one that's right for you, and more. I was lucky enough to have these two as my professor when I was a student, and I've learned a great deal from them. I've admired their careers from afar and enjoy speaking with them every chance I get the opportunity to. They are well established within this profession and have the willingness to share their story and advice. And for that, I am truly grateful that we were able to bring them on today. Today we have Elaine and Paul Lahneman, and we are going to get started for first letting them introduce themselves. Um, if you guys can decide who goes first. All right, I'll start. Um, I've been a physical therapist for 30 years and have enjoyed clinical practice, an opportunity to uh, start a private practice. And I attended a residency and fellowship. It's a little bit about my background there. I've also had an opportunity to teach and I've been a member of the American Physical Therapy Association for, well, 30 years, actually 32. I started as a student and have been involved ever since in the APTA. We live in Southern Indiana and um, I am a member of the Kentucky Physical Therapy Association because when I graduated from University of Louisville, I started developing um, a group of a community there and I enjoyed it. And when we moved back here, Paul decided he would be an Indiana APTA member and I would stay as a Kentucky APTA member so we could get the best of both worlds. Uh, I currently am the program director for the transitional DPT program at the University of St. Augustine and I work remotely so I still live in southern Indiana and I'm the president of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. So just a little bit about me and my background uh, my main priority has been family. I have four boys. We have four boys and uh, live on our uh, farm in southern Indiana, which is where I grew up. Hey there, this is Paul Lahneman. I uh, graduated from University of Louisville Physical Therapy Program in 1992. Since then, I've worked in uh, private practice. And uh, when we moved back to the area in 1996, uh, we started a private practice soon after that that I, I ran for a while until um, I sold to a local hospital system and then continued to manage that practice uh, under a contract with the hospital until that hospital was sold and worked clinically at the same location. It's changed names three times, but I'm still there in the same parking lot uh, for the past 21 years. Additionally, um, I started teaching as an adjunct faculty member and then became a full-time faculty and now an assistant professor with Bellarmine University, and I've been there full-time since uh, 2013. So I became an orthopedic certified specialist in 1998 and a manual therapy certified specialist through the Institute of St. Augustine, which is now the University of St. Augustine in the same year. And then in 2002, I did a fellowship defense with the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. Um, that's, that's a route that is no longer available. But at the time in 2002, there were so few fellowships and residencies 
that it offered folks that had been clinically practicing for a while an option to test into um, fellowship status that included a written and oral and practical uh, exams. So I've been a fellow with the American Academy since 2002 and continue to enjoy uh, practicing, performing manual therapy and treating orthopedic patients, as well as um, doing some fellowship training with um, folks as they come along. Great, and I feel really fortunate because I had both of you guys for my professors and I know that there's still plenty of people out there willing and able to learn from you guys. So that's exciting to know that you guys are still doing those kind of those kinds of things and staying busy it sounds like too with everything that you have going on. Um, but today we're going to talk about fellowship. As you guys mentioned, you guys are fellowship trained and this we kind of want to talk to our listeners about what is fellowship, what's it look like, who's it for, and just what have your guys' experiences been that it has benefited you and I guess the first question we'll, uh, I'll ask is what is a fellowship? You can take that away. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, so a fellowship is advanced training in a subspecialty area. So you have demonstrated that you have some proficiency in, an, in a specialty area. So for example, in orthopedics or um, maybe in, in um, neurology. And then you decide you would like to spe specialize even further, kind of narrow your focus, develop more advanced skills and proficiency in a subspecialty area. So for an example would be manual therapy or maybe um, in, in treatment of the hand. And so a, a fellowship is really that subspecialization, advanced skills and um, advanced professional skills related to communication, teaching, research, and even leadership in that area. Uh, who would it be for? Who is who would be benefit from going through fellowship training, or what would their per, like what might their goals be if they want to go through fellowship, or if they decide fellowship is for them? Well, I I think who it's for is someone who has maybe um, practiced or been mentored by um, someone, and I'll I'll stick with the orthopedics example, someone who um, has mentored you, and maybe you've gone on to take the a specialty certificate examination uh, through the ABPTS, but you would like more hands-on or more directed supervision um, in, and advanced skills and specialty skills in that area. So typically it's someone who may be a year, um, several years out, uh, a couple years out, who has developed an interest in an area that they really want to subspecialize in. And you have to, you know, I think it takes a while to really figure out what area you want to specialize in. Not every new graduate comes out knowing they want to go directly into neuro or pediatrics or orthopedics. And sometimes that can change over time. So, you know, it, it, it typically is someone who has been out two to three years and is able to capture that time with a mentor. Do you have requirements that you have to meet before you go into fellowship? Yes. So the um, American Board of Physical Therapy residency and fellowship education, which is the acronym for that is ABTRI, is the accreditation agency for the American Physical Therapy Association. And they require, in order to go into a fellowship, you either have to complete a specialty certification exam or you have, and have, have been out um, for longer than a year, 
or you have to um, have completed a residency in that specialty area so that there's a guarantee that you have the breadth of knowledge in that specialty area before you go into specialize into a more narrowed focus. What does being in the fellowship look like and what does it require to graduate or complete your fellowship and then on a weekly, monthly basis, what does that look like? Most fellowships have a range of a required amount of time that you're in the fellowship. Typically, um, you can't complete the fellowship in less than 11 months and it can go as long as 36 months. So that allows the individual who's involved in the fellowship to structure their time with mentored and non-mentored hours within that clinical practice time. So it can be quite variable and quite flexible depending on how, how one arranges it as long as they budget time to get the mentored hours. And in the case of um, some of the manual therapy fellowship programs, there's 160 hours of required mentored time um, and that actually that may vary or may be a, a little bit different, but um, there's a certain amount of mentored time required and then also supervised time in addition to that. So um, that's broken down where on a week to week basis, it may look like um, you have your regular patient care load and then a portion of that time you're going to meet with the fellow mentor who is going to be observing you working with patients or co-treating with patients. And then you might fall back and spend an hour over lunch talking about what you did for the three or four hours in the morning together. And then um, the fellow mentor may give you some assignments or some activities to consider related to um, what evidence you use to determine appropriate treatment techniques or um, just have a have a discussion about why the student decided to do what they did and how you might refine that to make it better um, the next time. Sorry, so is there a structured courses to it or is it mainly like one-on-one -on -one mentor gives you assignments or is there actually coursework that goes along with it or does that depend on the program? Well, I, I can answer that because the coursework is developed based on the, the um, curriculum for that uh, description of fellowship practice or that area. So there's a description of fellowship practice and there's a curriculum for individuals who are going into neuro fellowships or manual therapy fellowships or hand fellowships. So there, there is coursework that um, they take, but there's also the mentored hours. And there might be some variation in the, the total of mentored hours. Um, if you're going into manual therapy, perhaps compared to other uh, groups, because in manual therapy, we also have to meet international standards. And if you, if, in order to be recognized in AOMPT, the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists, you have to meet IFOMP standard, standards, which, which are slightly above in terms of the required hours. But yes, so you have coursework and then you have mentored patient care hours. You also have things like he was mentioning journal clubs or, you know, just discussion where there's, there's really great mentoring by an experienced clinician and that clinician should be a fellow. If, if he's not a fellow, it should be someone that is, uh, has the expertise in that area and has been, um, ha has experience related. So for example, there's, there are not a lot of um, 
hand fellows out there. So it might, might be someone who's practiced for years and has been teaching and has a, a known um, resume or, or, or portfolio in that region. You had mentioned that it helps to be in the, or have a coworker that's a fellowship. Is it required that coworker? Or is it just work better that way? No, it isn't required. In fact, you know, that's, that's the beauty of, there are a lot of different structures and fellowships. Um, you can go to a different site, but that is someone who mentors you with, you know, within their clinical practice, or it may be someone who you are working with. Uh, so the structure of the fellow fellowships can really vary. Paul, you mentioned back in 2002, there wasn't that many fellowship programs. How has it changed? And do you have to move to do a fellowship or is, is it become more hybrid programs? What does it look like now for the selection of programs that are out there? There's uh, quite a bit of programs now available in most regions of the United States. So there's been arrangements where um, fellows in training have actually gone to other clinics um, to do their fellowship uh, training or the fellow comes to the clinic that the men mentee is located. Um, but oftentimes, like in large metropolitan areas, you can usually find uh, fellowship trained folks that, that are willing to support that, that education. So if you have the opportunity to work in a larger group uh, setting or a multi-practice setting where there's fellows available, I think that just practically works better. Um, but, um, but yeah, there's certainly, I don't think in the, by region, there's, there's a problem with someone who's interested in doing a fellowship, finding a place that they can do uh, fellowship training with, especially the direct mentored hours, um, because it's not a, not a huge chunk of the total hours available. So there's several programs that are hybrid and within those programs, oftentimes there's support for fellows to travel to an area to help with that, that mentored structure. So if you figure if you want to do a fellowship in a year, if, uh, if you can get four hours of training every week, you're going to have that, that mentored time. So it's very doable. And especially if you're doing it over three years, it's certainly very doable. It just, you just can't get done before 11 months. Right. Correct. And I, I think, I think that's correct. That, that, but that's the minimum that just capacity wise of the amount of work that goes into it, that right. you can get it done within about a year, but to kind of that work-life balance, it might be beneficial for you to spread it out over a 36 month period. Correct. Yeah. And I think Abtree has now kind of time, um, limits, you know, it can't be completed in fewer than 10 months, uh, but it can't go over 60 months. So they've actually extended the time because there were, you know, life happens and sometimes you have to have pauses. And um, that's the same, that's the same for either residency or fellowship. But I would like to add a little of the historical background to the examination. Um, so he gained his, um, fellowship through the oral practical examination and a portfolio process. And that's not atypical of other healthcare industries. So for example, currently optometry has a fellowship examination. It's, it's an um, oral examination. And if the individual meets the portfolio requirements and also passes the examination, 
then they can become a fellow and then they have standards they need to meet at, after that point. But that's the way um, the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists developed it based on other industry standards uh, because we were the first group that decided that, um, and that came from IFOMT, the International Federation of Manual Physical Therapists. IFOMT uh, required international standards and AOMT wanted to be part of that group and wanted to meet those international standards. And so started the process of, of looking at a description of advanced practice, developing the curriculum, and we're really instrumental in developing that for the profession and worked with APTA in the future. Later, APTA adopted that and through the House of Delegates motions and um, APTA decided that was central to our, the need of our profession. And AOMT worked with APTA and um, assisted in that process and that development. And you know, we all felt like it was better to work together collaboratively on that um, so that you know all the fellowships um, whether it be neuro you know the, the other ones that are out there would um, have standards and could use a similar process and so is that how once you get done with your fellowship is there like a examination you said there's the practical and the oral examination but it's not like a test like a, the OCS or the uh, neurospecialty exam. It's not something that comes once a year. Is that based off each program? Yeah, so it's a little different with each program, but through um, each program has examinations along the way. So they're doing, um, you know, maybe some written components of examination. It may be um, interaction with patients, but, you know, you have to kind of meet a certain level, a certain standard to go to the next, the next level. And um, so, you know, it depends. Some of, some of the programs will have a written examination towards the end, maybe a, a mid-examination, and others will have um, modules throughout, you know, throughout the, um, the process, throughout the, the, the time that you're with them. And to get an idea of all the programs that are out there, where can people look, and is every program flexible? Or is there some that, some that are more rigid than others, like it needs to be completed within one year, or are all programs pretty flexible now? You know, I'm probably more familiar with the, um, the orthopedic, uh, the manual therapy programs, but of the 53 that are out there, there are 32 programs in, in the manual therapy. But I think peop, um, the programs are, are flexible, uh, to a certain extent, um, of course, they have to stay within those um, the timeframes of Aptree. But really, I think the programs that are out there, whether it be neuro or hand or other uh, manual therapy, are really just trying to work with the individual who wants to become a fellow, and are working really hard to be as flexible as they can within the um, constraints of the standards that are being required of them. So I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say any that I've come across have been rigid. Um, there are some that are maybe a little bit, uh, require maybe a little bit more discipline and maybe a little bit more self-discipline because some of it is is online and you have to be an independent, you know, well, all of, everyone has to be a little bit independent with um, taking the structure and, and moving forward. But I wouldn't say, I wouldn't describe them as rigid, um, but they do have the constraints of the accreditation agency that they're 
working with. And where can they go to find the list of programs that are available? So the American Board of Physical Therapy Residency and Fellowship Education website has a list of all the fellowships that are there and they have the links to the accredited programs. So it's a great way to, to go in and start looking at location um, and go into the different websites. They have links to the different websites. They have the program director's name and email uh, and that contact information as well. And do you normally find that you are drawn to a certain program because of your mentor or do you find that some people go onto that website and find the right program that fits them? I think a lot of cases it's um, it's related to the experiences that the individual has had and sees it from the mentor's perspective and oftentimes they get guidance from their peers and mentors. Also the um, speaking from the fellowship um, standpoint for manual therapy the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists has an excellent conference every year. And when folks go to that, they tend to gravitate toward uh, other, other people in that uh, specialty. And um, there's plenty of time to um, collaborate with, with folks while they're there. And they, they take an interest in a specific program there. So I, I think it, 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 it can be fairly homogenous, but um, but oftentimes it's just related to what, what they know and what they're used to. They see a mentor that they like how they practice and they find out more about how they got where they did. And that leads to the fellowship interest and um, throwing the switch on doing it. And you reminded me too that the uh, APTA student conclave has a, a, there's a point in time where the residency directors and fellowship program directors have an opportunity to meet with the students kind of in an open forum, there are different tables set up or booths set up where you can go, students can go in and, and research that. So even as a physical therapy student, you can start looking at fellowships in the future at that point. And, you know, the other thing I encourage students to, to do is talk to faculty and um, because they, they're pretty well connected. They know uh, the different programs. And if they don't, they know people that they can, you know, connect them with. I will say that one of the biggest things about choosing your mentors is really looking at the program, identifying who the, who the mentors in the program are, because I mean, some of the programs are pretty extensive and large and have a, a great variation in uh, practitioners, but looking at the mentors who are there and are they, are they who you want to be? And that's kind of, that is one of the reasons I selected the fellowship residency program that I was in because I saw my mentors doing things I wanted to do. I wanted to learn about research and private practice and really be able to treat the patient and have advanced skills in manual therapy and, um, and also be able to teach. That was, you know, something that was really exciting to me uh, after I started attending some of the coursework and I realized, wow, this is something that I want to do. So I, I think kind of thinking about who you are, you have to start within and um, look at the mentors who you see in those programs and are they a good fit for you? Are they someone you want to be like? And I could, that is my experience. I mean, I know going through PT school and I, I was when I graduated I know I wanted to get my manual therapy certification and 
then I was looking at fellowship and I remember as my professor, you had done that. I had contacted you last summer asking about fellowships and kind of what I needed to do to start looking at that. And I know one of the things I was interested in it before was I might not be able to go back right now and get my PhD or DSC or anything like that, but I had expressed interest in teaching and you'd said fellowship is a good way to get into that. Is that where it opens the door to get into fellowship? You can get into other avenues such as you mentioned leadership at the beginning, that it helps develop leadership and research and teaching. Is that kind of another reason why someone might go for a fellowship program? Absolutely. And, and that's one of the things that Stanley Paris mentioned in his um, Macmillan lecture. We need more faculty and we need clinical faculty. We need people who can be adjuncts, who are still practitioners. And, you know, promoting residencies and fellowships for that reason is, is really important. Um, so administration, leadership, research, and uh, teaching all, are all areas that are identified in the curriculum as uh, areas that, you know, students or fellows in training really need to develop advanced skills in, in those areas because it's, it's going to help society in the, in the future. And I know residency has become very main, maybe maybe mainstream is not the way to put it, but it's becoming more recommended that people do residencies. Are you finding that with fellowships or what's the percentage of PTs that are fellows or have done a fellowship? Do you, can you speak to that volume? You know, I, I know someone probably knows those numbers, but I, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I do know that there are, you know, like I said, there are about 50 different programs that are out there. Um, and I probably should know that, but I don't. Well, it's a hard number to just it's, uh, to be aware of. It's certainly not a large number. Uh, orthopedic manual physical therapy fellowships are certainly the, the most numerous. I think on the Abtree website, there's over 30 uh, orthopedic fellowships, and there's a couple with hand and some with in movement and a few in critical care. So there's, there's not a large body of Abtree certified fellowships at this time. Um, the residencies have certainly gotten more popular, and I think that's a great step toward um, the fellowship training. And right now, a lot of folks are going into the residency programs to get a boost on learning and uh, kind of fast-tracking their specialization. So several residencies basically um, get you ready for your uh, certification examinations. And so they've become really popular with that. And I think a lot of employers are supporting that um, partial payment or assistance with tuition if you agree to work with, with them for a certain amount of time to where you can trade your work for um, their, their financial support, at least in portion, for, for the residency program. And in the fellowship, there's going to be a, a smaller percentage, but I can't, can't say what that is. Within the American Academy of Manual Physical Therapists, um, yeah. The, so how I can many speak members to that. are there, President? There, there are <laughs> there are about <laughs> um, I'll say slightly less than fifteen hundred fellows in the academy, and I I foresee that number will be increasing uh, soon. And so I don't know, you know, again, there's 32 of the 53 programs that are OMPT of the fellowship programs total and uh, 1,500 
make up the um, AOPT group. So that gives you an idea that um, there aren't, there's not a large number of fellows in the United States at this point. And I would say that, you know, residency is certainly encouraged. I, I think it's a great experience because you have a, a, a mentored path if you um, can do that. I totally recommend going through a residency and you don't, you know, you develop good habits. You know, one of the residents that I talked to, she went through a neuro residency uh, who graduated from um, Bellarmine the other day. And she said, you know, in that one year, I probably gained five years of experienced experience due to the the mentoring and the feedback that I received. And she said, you know, it's sometimes it's more feedback than you want, <laughs> but it's, it's really helpful. And it, it really does advance your skills and your thought processes. Um, so, you know, going into the residency first is, is probably ideal, but that's, you know, I, the, the one thing that you talked about is life's windows open up at different times. You might not be ready to do a PhD, but um, this is where you are at the time. And I think that happens all the time. And, I, and I'm really appreciative of our profession being able to have different options for people because people may not be able to do a residency um, prior to fellowship, but they can do the OCS and, and AOMT is opening up some other avenues uh, with rubrics also in the future. And you mentioned the, like a PhD, but is, is there, I've seen, where there's been some fellowships that you can transition into a DCS. Is that just a few of them or is that even something that may become standard in the future? I think you can transition. Uh, some programs offer that as an option. They use the fellowship curriculum and then add on coursework, didactic coursework um, for the uh, doctor of science in that particular area. Uh, but that's not, that's not, um, the typical process. Uh, I think you will find some programs that do that and some, some that don't. How do I decide if I want to go into a fellowship program? And are there any specific considerations that I need to think about before choosing a program? You know, I think part of it is, are, you know, there are some commitments that you have to make. And similar to residency, you have to be ready emotionally. Um, you know, what are your personal responsibilities at the time? I think it's really useful. Uh, it's, to know where you are um, from a, a family commitment and personal responsibilities, as well as some financial um, responsibility. And Paul mentioned that, you know, many of the programs uh, are willing to work with you uh, related to salary. And I think that was probably one of the best decisions I made in terms of taking a slight sal sal salary cut, and but the um, mentoring and the curriculum and the coursework that I received in, in um, lieu of that was incredibly helpful. And is there a way to research the programs more specifically, like knowing what courses they work or what mentors they have besides going to the, the residency and fellowship website, or is there different ways to reach out to faculty of that program that you recommend? Yeah, so, you know, I would recommend beyond just talking to your faculty, but then contacting program directors and, and faculty within that program, looking at their, um, you know, the structure of their program. Is it primarily online? Uh, do you like online learning? Is it primarily face-to-face? -face? Are you able to be with other 
residents and fellows. For some people, that's, that's really important. And for other people, it's not quite as important because you may be in a clinic with other individuals who are like-minded or already have that training. Um, so those, those are some of the things to think about. But, you know, what, what are, um, is there a main focus to the program? And, you know, I would, I would ask direct questions with the program directors. You know, are, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Um, what, are, what are they looking for? in a candidate. So what can you bring to their program to improve their program and as while you're improving yourself? Um, are there specific stressors um, to that program? And if at all possible, visit the program. Um, those are some of the recommendations. I don't know if you have any others. No, that's the best way. I think, I think looking at the Abtree website to see what the programs are available and then, and then researching the, the programs individually they all have pretty robust websites, and um, there's there's usually a a feel to the programs um, through continuing education that's offered by a lot of the residency programs. There's already a culture that's available that, that a lot of folks that are interested in fellowship are already aware of the the tenets of the organization, if you will, and um, you know within just orthopedic manual therapy, there's different schools of thought and there's a lot of different ways to treat a patient. And so uh, folks might gravitate toward a school of thought that they've liked either because they saw their mentor being successful with it or it just, just fits within their paradigm. And I think one, one great thing that I see when I go to manual therapy conferences is that regardless of the school of thought you come from, when you get together and nerd out with a bunch of other manual therapists, there's certainly more common ground than there is dissidence. And that's what makes uh, being in that in that group so meaningful is that um, you're in a club of like-minded people that that are oriented toward making themselves better for their patients. And that's the bottom line. Right. And that does bring me to another thing that I wanted to touch on is the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. And that's an organization that's above and not maybe not above and beyond, but is an organization specific to the fellows that is here in the U.S. It's not, it works with the APTA, but it's its own entity. And can you speak to what they do and their involvement uh, worldwide? Absolutely. So the, the, the academy, I, I'll say that was the first academy, really were the pioneers in terms of developing standards for fellowship because that was the future vision for the academy. And, and, and we knew that we had to have oral and practical examinations. And at that time, the APTA was not, not able, didn't have the bandwidth to um, develop a practical examination, but IFOMPT, the International Association required, you know, practical examination. You had to, if you're gonna do manual therapy, you have to show me that you can do the hands-on approach. And, and that was part of the reason that um, AOMPT developed our own organization to be able to um, meet those standards and to do the oral and practical examination and, and work, you know, maybe a little bit um, with a little bit more efficiency because it was a smaller group uh, and um, a little bit more intimate as well. So the, um, that, that's how that started. And the um, Academy, you know, continues to collaborate with, APTA. Um, ABTRI is a program within APTA, just like CAPTI is a program within APTA. 
the ABPTS is a program within APTA. And so uh, AOMT collaborates with them. And um, we have recently uh, developed our, our own path for accreditation, um, our secondary pathway, sorry, excuse me, for accreditation because we have to evaluate standards that are beyond the minimum standards that ABDRI has set forth. And so we've developed an accreditation pathway that is, is primarily through AOMPT. Um, and at this point, you know, definitely collaborate, support at what ABDRI has done, um, but know that we need to stay within the international standards and um, don't want to just go with the minimum. You know, and the other thing, it's, it's the quality of training is very difficult to measure. So as a, a new fellow, you're making decisions, you know, how do I know who's good? You know, if, there, if there's quality. Well, one of the things that I, is great about um, the individuals who are teaching in Aptree accredited programs, and I would say that's very important. We mentioned going to the website, but there are programs out there that are not Aptree accredited. That doesn't mean necessarily that they are not quality, but you are assured that you have quality mentors if Avtri has accredited that program. And you are assured that you have quality mentors if AOMPT is within that process and has accredited that orthopedic manual, or is, has recognized, excuse me, that orthopedic manual physical therapy program. So I would say that's, that's kind of another kind of a pearl you know, look at those accredited programs, know that you can feel confident that they, they have to meet certain standards of accreditation, and also go to the, your state and national conferences, because that's another way to meet people who have gone through fellowships or who are considering it, other faculty. Um, so those are some other ideas I would have. Great advice. Any last recommendations that you have for anyone looking at the programs or considering if this is the right step for them? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I'll say personally that the fellowship was a time where I learned a ton from my mentors, but not only my mentors, but my colleagues who were fellows in training. And I learned a lot about patient care that has really guided my career uh, to where it is today. So I, I would encourage everyone to do it. Yeah, I think being a fellow um, requires that you set a standard for yourself and care that, um, that isn't required for your license, but it's a standard that you expect yourself to carry and you expect your peers and the folks you're mentoring to carry. And so, you're in a you're in a group of people that are like-minded, that are interested in 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 great care, and I think that just is infectious, and it and it really, it really helps to um, keep you motivated to do your best, and I, I think I think that's just an important part of lifelong learning, and it's a natural step if you're in the profession a while, you want to do and be the best that that you can for yourself and for your patients. And um, so I, I think it's just a great natural natural progression that you can take your time to do. You don't have to be in a rush about. It's not about being a fellow. It's about getting to the point of establishing yourself by your learning as a fellow over time. And so I think I, I wanna emphasize that uh, there's no need to be in a rush to determine this. 
this is something that's that's a career path you need to first find that this is a specialization that you want and i think if you're early in your career and you may not be introduced to a lot of different areas within physical therapy it would be a shame for you to throw the switch on a fellowship when you decided hey you know what i really like um, neurocare a lot more than i thought so i think you need to spend some time within the area of your interest for more than a year or two before you determine that you want to be a fellow. And I think that's why this is structured different than a residency. And we were just talking the other day about, you know, really at the end of the day, what the fellowship brought us was the ability to perform interventions and screen our patients and pick up things that are you know, it's really about the patient and that have helped our patients. And that is what really drives me to encourage this because I know the difference in my practice before and, and after fellowship. And I know that I would have potentially missed or made different decisions um, before I had the, the skills and the training um, and the mentoring that I received. And, and I know that the more people are mentored, that will just, you know, be exponential and, and be the right thing for our patients. And that wraps up the discussion for today. A huge thank you to Paul and Elaine for taking the time out of their day. Within the show, they discuss the American Board of Physical Therapy Residency and Fellowship Education website. If you are interested into looking into further education options, I've added the link within the show notes just for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We want to discuss topics that matter to you. As always, if you have questions from the episode or an idea you want to hear about, shoot me an email at jessica.baker.dpt at gmail.com. I hope you find value here that helps you professionally and personally. Come back and listen in to the Professional PT Podcast.